0: This is solid talk. Speaking out loud and yeah, depth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Check it out. Speaking out loud and depth. Cancel culture can't keep me in check. And from beginning, gotta tell us what's next. True believers, they can come and connect. Call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect. God is just so good. Listen, God bless you, family. Praise the Lord. My name is Brother Greg. This is Solid Talk, speaking out loud, in depth. I'm asking a question tonight. Are you a wife or are you a concubine? Are you a wife or a concubine? Now, the Lord placed this on me last night coming into tonight, and I was just really thinking about Solomon, and I was really thinking about the fact that he had 700 wives and we're gonna we're gonna learn about him a little bit later but he had 700 wives and he had 300 concubines and i'm just looking at those numbers you know but more importantly i was just thinking what what is the difference between a wife and a concubine what is the what's the distinction how do you know the difference between a wife and a concubine? Why does it matter? All right, What what's the deal with it? Uh, what are the benefits of being a wife versus a concubine? Are there any benefits to being a concubine? And more importantly, as it relates to the women of today, um, in this society that we live, does that manifest itself? in today's society now we know in america you have some little groups or sects, you know s e c t s that have concubines i think some black hebrew israelites do that some mormons do that so they or maybe i'm sorry maybe the mormons have multiple wives i don't want to say the wrong thing but my point is you see it sprinkled here and there but for the most part in this westernized society We don't really function in the whole wife, concubine paradigm on paper. (laughs) Okay, follow me now. We don't function in that on paper. But I believe just like with so many other things we see in the Bible, um, sometimes spiritually, you can have these same things manifest themselves or even in practice, you can have these same concepts manifest themselves in people. So, I mean, I don't want to get super spiritual, but you can almost think of it as like having the spirit of a concubine. You know, I've heard somebody say that before. So, what what is the difference between a concubine and a wife? I, I begin to study just a teeny bit. I've been meditating on this all day. And I want to go to, to, to a few examples in the Bible. First, I want to go to Abraham. Now, I'm not going to teach too much tonight, but I just want to kind of like show... Some examples of a concubine in the Bible, because I really want to ask this question. And then, you know, for any woman who might be in any season of her life as it relates to romance, because, of course, a wife uh, and a concubine is a is a is a a term is related to uh, romance, romantic relationship. So anyone who's kind of in that season, this might be a question that you might want to ask you know i don't know why the lord placed this on me so heavy but i'm i want to talk about it tonight so let's go to genesis chapter 16 real quick uh you can go to it or not like i said it's not bible study but let's peep in genesis chapter 16 and i want us to learn about hagar okay hagar is like the first example of a concubine in the bible now she i don't think she's actually called a concubine in the bible i'm not 100 percent sure if she is or she isn't but the principle okay the principle like 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 a lot of folks say um it's the principle right uh the principle behind this is something that i want to explore so let's go to genesis chapter 16 we're just going to read a few verses right now verses one through six it says now sarai Abram's wife bare him no children and she had an handmaid an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. Now let's 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 remember the context briefly. God has promised Abraham a lineage. He told him to leave the place where you are from, come from out of your father's house, go into a land which I have showed you. Abraham and or at this point Abram and Sarai have been on this journey. But while they're on the journey, a lot of time has passed. And Sarai and Abraham are realizing this child that the Lord has promised us has not happened yet. Like, so what's the deal? What's going on? So Sarai comes up with what she believes is a solution to this problem. She wants to help God out. So in verse two, it says, and Sarai said unto Abram, behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid it may be that I may obtain children by her and Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai and Sarai Abram's wife took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian after Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband, Abram to be his wife. So basically the handmaiden kind of works under the, uh, the wife and Sarai, Abraham's wife has basically kind of like assigned her to sleep with Abram so that they can have this child because they've been on this journey. He's been in the land of Canaan, it said he's been in there 10 years. So, verse 4 says this and he went in unto Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. So, she got hated on for the very same thing that she told her to do. But anyway. Verse five, and Sarai said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee, I have given my maid into thy bosom, and when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between me and thee. But Abram said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it please of thee. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. So I want us to understand a couple things, because this is the first principle of the concubine first and foremost the concubine is a person who serves a function okay she serves a role she's almost not even viewed uh for for really you know who she is but she's really viewed for what she can do for you so sarai was abram's wife if you read their story, they're making decisions together. They're trying to figure this thing out. He's asking his wife to pretend like you, my sister. Obviously, Sarah is offering him suggestions that, sh- that she's listening to. So what it, what is it? The wife has input. The wife has influence, right? The wife has a way of uh, getting into the husband's ear. He values what she has to say because otherwise he wouldn't have done it. You know, otherwise... <laughs> Otherwise, he would have just been like going along somewhere. But we see between the dynamic of Abram and Sarah that he listens to her. They have a a relationship. Uh, Some people don't like this word, you know, in some some ways they have a partnership. So that's what's going on with these two. Right. You see, first and foremost, that the wife is is one who has a say. But when you look at Hagar, the mistress, right, all she is doing is meeting a need. OK, there's no real distinction. Uh, uh, There's no real relationship between her and Abram. There's no real uh, who knows what the communication level was. It doesn't really say. But the point I'm making is when Sarah got upset about it and she was just kind of like, you know, do what you want to the. Uh, you know, when Abram was just like, do what you want with the handmaid, it says that Sarah dealt harsh, hardly with her and she fled from her face so there was no consideration for the concubine she was there she had the son after she had the son she was disregarded she was disregarded so much in fact that if you go to genesis chapter 21 now i'm laying all this out because i'm trying to look at the differences between uh the wife and the concubine and i want to figure out what's what's the main idea Okay, what's the main difference? Right. If you go to Genesis chapter 21 and you pick up around maybe verse eight or so, it says that. uh, Let's pick up at verse nine, it says, and Sarah, she's Sarah at this point, because now let me let me let me say, mind you, they have now had Isaac at this point. They have had Isaac uh, with meaning that Abraham and Sarah have had Isaac. In fact, they had Isaac in the very same chapter. All right, the very same chapter, which is Genesis chapter 21. This is the birth of Isaac. So what you find is immediately, immediately after they had Isaac, there was completely no need for Ishmael. Ishmael was Hagar's son that she did have. Once they had that and they knew for sure, for sure, for sure that the promise that came through, this is when they definitely kicked her to the curb. So it says, as Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had born unto Abraham, mocking. Okay, so not only is this not her son, now he's mocking. (laughs) Verse 10 says, wherefore she said unto Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad, and because of thy bondwoman, and all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation because he is thy seed. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread or food and a bottle of water. And gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder, and the child, and sent her away, and she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water was spent and the bottle in the bottle, and she cast the child under the under one of the shrubs. So basically he kicked her to the curb. So that's uh, indication number two of the concubine, you are dispensable. Now Sarah. Has been with abraham this long time they have been on this long journey she wasn't able to bear any type of son but if if, uh, any type of child for a long time up until i think she was about 90 and abraham i think he was maybe a hundred but basically he stuck by her side through thick and thin through ups and downs through challenges but the minute that uh sarah is just like boom we got our son let's get this woman and her child out of here they eating up all the snacks and now you got the nerve to be laughing and making jokes the concubine was dispensable so you have the wife who is um who where the man will be long suffering but then you got the concubine where he will have very little patience at all so those are just some of the distinctions right so when you actually look this up I looked it up on a, a few places. So here's one site: gotquestions.org. It says in the Bible, a concubine is a woman who lives with the man as if she were a wife, but without having the same status as a wife. So you're doing wifely duties, okay? You're there. You're having children, right? You're you're obviously if you're having children, I mean, you know, you're having sex with the husband, right? You are possibly cooking. Who knows what else you're doing? You're doing all of the wifely duties, but it says that they don't have the same status as a wife. It said concubines in a patriarchal age and beyond held an inferior rank. They were secondary wives. A concubine could not marry her master because of her slave status, although for her, the relationship was exclusive and ongoing. Early on, it seems that concubines were used to bear children for men whose wives were barren. Uh, so we just read about that with Hagar. Later, it seems that concubines were kept simply for sexual pleasure. See 2 Chronicles 11 and 2. All right, we'll get to that later. Uh, concubines in Israel possess some of the same rights as legitimate wives. But listen to this without the same respect without the same respect and that's what i want to get to tonight i want to talk about respect you know i want to talk about respect i want to talk about having self-respect because the real distinction between a wife and a concubine boils down to the level of respect that you have for yourself now now i'm gonna say this well, I'm gonna say a few things tonight. So hopefully I don't get in trouble, but a man usually now, sometimes you, you will get guys that what like, uh, unicorns and they will go above and beyond, but nine times out of 10, a man is only going to respect you as much as you respect yourself. He's only going to respect you as much as you respect yourself. Look at the case of Solomon. Now I mentioned him earlier. He had, uh, uh, 700 wives and 300 concubines uh let's go real quick to first kings chapter 11 verses 1 through 8 and i noticed something in here that i never noticed before as many times as i read this about solomon but if you read this closely you're going to notice that there's, there's something very specific that the text says so first kings chapter 11 starting at verse 1 it says but King Solomon loved many strange women. The word strange means foreign. Together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians and Hittites of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, "Ye shall not go in. Unto, you shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods, Solomon, clave unto these in love. So these women that he's dealing with, the Bible says he claved unto them in love. He loved these women. Okay. so then it tells us something. It says in verse three, and he had 700 wives, princesses and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. This is where we got to really look close at the text, right? 700 wives, 300 concubines. But look at what it says at the end there. It says his wives turned away his heart, meaning what? That the connection that Solomon had was with the wives. So that's another distinction between the wife and the concubine is that the the husband is going to have a connection with the wife. He's going to have... Investment. He's going to be invested in what she cares about. He's going to be invested in what she thinks. He's going to be invested in her opinion. He's going to be invested in so many things. Obviously, Solomon was so invested in these women that they were able to turn his heart away from God. So really think about the, 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 the level of um attachment that he had to the wives. Right. But it only says it only says that the wives turned away his heart. Why is that? Because the concubines didn't have that type of influence in Solomon's lives. See, it could have the text could have easily said, and they meaning the women or the women turned away his heart. But it says that the wives turned away his heart. Those are the ones that he's probably pillow talking with. Those are the ones that he's probably, you know, figuring out their innermost. Uh, you know, deepest thoughts and what, what, how was your upbringing? How was your childhood? What do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know. I don't know what type of conversations they were having, but whatever it was, that's the type of distinction that was going on between the wife and the concubine. So the next thing is that if, if, if a man sees you as a wife, he's going to be invested in what makes you tick. He's going to be invested in who you are as a person. In order for Solomon to get familiar with these women's gods, he had to learn their culture. He had to learn um, their upbringing. He had to learn who and what they believed in. And he had to do all of these things to the point where he even got pulled away from his God. So that's powerful. It said, it says it right there in the text. It says in verse for it says, for it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods and his heart was not perfect with the Lord, his God, as was the heart of David, his father. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom and the, uh, the abomination of the Ammonites, And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord, as did David, his father. So so it basically they had influence in his life. These concubines that Solomon had, I'm pretty sure they were transactional. And, and and that's really what it is. The concubine, because she's performing a service, she's transactional. The things I mentioned that, that the concubine could be for, I saw it on another site, either uh, to have kids, to have a son if the husband's wife was not able to produce a son, um, or to be basically like a slave bondwoman or whatever you want to call it, uh matter of fact let me put up the list right now uh there was basically four types of concubines it was a hebrew girl sold by her father a gentile captive taken in war so basically they took over the land and the white. they didn't kill the women and they kept the women to themselves a purchased foreign slave or a canaanite woman bonded or free so you got these type of women, but what they all have in common is that they perform a service. So they're either there to have kids for this guy. They're there to have more kids so that he can have more estate. That was the other reason. It was also like a financial thing where if I have more children, that means I have more workers. That means I'm able to build my business or my brand. I'm, I'm sure they didn't. Maybe they did have brands back then, but it was like basically to to, to enlarge your presence in the land and then the last one was basically for sexual pleasure and so today the one that's most prevalent in our society is the one that's just there for sexual pleasure when a man looks at you is he looking at you as a potential wife or is he looking at you as just a, a sexual conquest because listen Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines, right? I was actually thinking about this, and I was saying, now I know when we have children, or, or you know, just in society, it's not a one-to-one ratio of men and women. It's not always 50-50. Sometimes you have more men, uh, more men in the world. Sometimes you have more women in the world. But just for the sake of context, we usually think of it as like, you know, a man for every woman. Solomon had one thousand women. <laughs> I'm thinking about this. He had one thousand women. So I'm just thinking, what about the men in his town? Okay, if you occupy a thousand women, what who would who are you leaving for the rest of the men in your town? You know, because they didn't have tender. they didn't have christian mingle right so it's like they didn't have the the luxuries to just find another woman in another state you just had to kind of deal with the women you were with so i'm just wondering because other men had multiple wives too like were they just some men that didn't have wives were they just some men that, that what did they do did they just mess with harlots you know i don't even know how they did that but that's just something i was thinking about and uh you know, when you really look at the difference, it boils down to respect. How and where do we get respect? Respect comes first and foremost from the Lord. In order for us to have self-respect, you have to know who you are. And we really don't truly know who we are until we come to the lord usually the way it works is out in the world the devil will give you some identity or you'll get caught up in some some sort of thing and you'll 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 become a person you'll become a persona but it's not who god designed you to be so until you become born again and you really take on God's identity of of who he has for you as a daughter. That's the first place where that uh, respect begins to come because you receive the love of God. And once you receive the love of God, then you're able to love yourself in the right way. Right. To to be able to have a little human man down here, then maybe love you as well. But even if a little human man doesn't love you, you still have the love of God that's being given to you so much that really that's like it maybe it matters and maybe it doesn't matter but once we have god's love that's that's an eternal love that's an agape love that's a that's a different type of love that is not about uh romance or anything like that but it's just about appreciating who you are and how god god made you the scripture says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made that means that god took his time when he made each and every one of us that he was very specific he was very specific uh that word fearfully means that he was very uh meticulous in how he made you you know there's another scripture that says that he knows all of the, the hairs that are on our head so god knows all of these things about his children and once we gain that revelation that's the thing that's going to allow you to see your value because the difference between uh the 2020 woman and the concubine back then is that the concubine back then her value was really based upon circumstances if you are living in a place and israel comes in and invade your country or territory and you are like the spoils of war you are the booty so to speak then that's just the way the chips have fallen it doesn't say anything about how you feel about yourself That's just now the circumstances that have hit you. If you are sold into a um, sold to a guy as a concubine during that time, those are just circumstances that are hitting you. If you are like a slave woman during that time, that's just a product of the culture. But in our culture today, um, people have their own personal circumstances. But in actuality, uh, we don't face those same things. So it's really up to that individual to find their worth, to find out who they are in Christ, to find out what it what is it that my maker really thinks about me. What I'm trying to say is that there's certain luxuries and benefits that women have today that the women of this time were not afforded. Some most of these women who were concubines uh, didn't have a choice. A lot of the women that were wives didn't really have a choice. You know, your husband could. um i mean, excuse me your father would give you away to a husband and that was that y'all were espoused and then y'all consummated the marriage and y'all are married so there's a difference now and the difference now is that um we can find out who we are now the thing about it is this the scripture says that god does all things well he does all things well so what that means is if any of us come to christ and we become made new that means that we are good when god created adam and eve before they fell when god created everything in the creation the scripture says that he saw it and it was good so when adam and eve fell they were no longer good but once you become born again and you become reconciled to christ the scripture says that you're justified it says that you're redeemed so that redeem is basically made you new second corinthians five seventeen says if any man be in christ or woman he is a new creature old things pass away and he makes all things new so at that point the woman becomes new she becomes um basically renewed so everybody has the opportunity to walk in the in the um i had to use all these religious words the anointing of a wife right it's not necessarily uh and 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 when i say this i'm not saying everybody's going to get married but what i'm saying is that you bear the qualities of a woman of god everyone who is born again can bear the qualities of a woman of god but the question is threefold one are you going to do it because a lot of folks just aren't going to get saved we know that the, the the broad way to destruction is wide so listen that's another another discussion but the second question is are you going to walk in it are you going to walk in it okay are you going to believe it are you going to walk in it are you going to see yourself the way that god sees you right and what does that take it takes faith if i know that you know god tells me i'm fearfully and wonderfully made but i go on instagram and You know, Kim Kardashian got a million likes on her picture where her butt is showing out. You know, if I'm walking by sight and I'm a woman, I'm going to look at that and say, well, I never got a million likes on (laughs) on any of my photos. But if I'm walking by faith, I'm going to read this text. I'm going to get in my prayer closet and I'm going to learn that whatever God says about me is true. And the more that we male and female begin to adopt that begin to realize that the more that it's going to radiate from the inside out see the most attractive quality in my opinion uh one of the most attractive qualities as a wife is a person who is a person who has joy a person who has joy now different guys like different things but i personally like a woman that has joy where it looks like she enjoys life, she enjoys herself. Now, that's kind of ironic because those who, like, know me and watch this pretty consistently, y'all know sometimes <laughs> I can have some low vibrations, so I'm trying to work on that. And I know I'm saying vibrations. I'm not trying to get into all the, the new age stuff or nothing like that. I just say it for the for the sake of explanation. But anyway, I like a a, a woman who's joyful, who smiles, who radiates, okay, who you can see it. You can see it in their smile. You can see it in their skin. Where does that come from? It comes from the joy of the Lord. It comes from the joy of the Lord. And so I'm asking this question tonight, you know, are you a wife or a concubine? But I want to say that everyone who's a woman of God can walk in the anointing of being a woman of God. There are qualities that are in this Bible that, uh, that you can exhibit whether you're in a marriage or whether you're single. Right. And you just look at some of the different things of, of of the differences between the wife and the concubine. The concubine, as I stated, has a lower status, inferior rank. She's a secondary wife. Right. She was there only to bear children, to be a slave or, or to be a sexual conquest. You know, you look at Second Samuel, David and Absalom. I'm not going to read it, but basically when Absalom was trying to get at David, somebody was, was he was taught getting advice from someone. And he was like, what should I do? And they were like, you should sleep with your father's concubines. And so Absalom set up this big tent and he slept with David's concubines in front of all of Israel. And we told on this a while ago, but basically what that was, was a power play. It was almost like those concubines were a form of of, uh, property. And when Absalom slept with those concubines, it was almost like him saying, I got the juice now. So really the difference between a wife and a concubine is a a concubine is almost like an object whereas a woman or a wife is is more like a person. She's more of someone that you that you value, that you see as a person as opposed to someone that's transactional in the world. They call it hit it and quit it. Um flings, one-night stands, wh- wherever you're from and really each and every one of us has a choice as to what type of person we want to be uh, how, and you might say well look i done, done so much dirt there's no redemption for me that's not true because i just told you f second second corinthians five seventeen. if any man or woman be in christ they're a new creature old things pass away so if the old things pass away guess what dead that's dead to you it's passed away so you have to believe that it's passed away all right you have to actually receive that in order to be able to function in it because if you don't then you'll never be able to ever see yourself as wife material if you say oh you know well i would like to be a wife one day but if i think about what happened and you know when i was in the you know the 11th grade and all of that crazy stuff or when I went when I went to college and I ran off and got crazy if you start to think about things like that you'll never be able to walk in in what the scriptures say what the word of God says about your life and about who you are but you'll be stuck in the prison of your past and God is trying to break each and every one of us out of the prisons of our past so what I want to do now is I want to kind of go to the chat because we are we're you know, I just want to kind of uh, see what y'all are saying. So Miss Natoya White, God bless you. She says, what I saw, what I, my bad. Okay, I'm going to read what she said. What I saw, the topic, I was looking at some. She might say, when I saw the topic, I was looking at something on black men, women, interracial, all types of things and beyond. All this, God keep telling me, with him, with God, and God, direction at the best amen yeah yeah you got to follow his leading she says interesting definitely preparation from god praise the lord brother joseph says although a concubine could produce heirs her children would be inferior in social status to a wife's children although they were of higher status than illegitimate children that's a great point brother joseph that you bring up they could have children and their children, uh, were heirs. Right. But even in that case, they were considered, uh, low, they were considered inferior. And even, even it was, it was almost like this. If it was a wife and the wife had a, a maid working under her and the maid had children as a concubine, those were also considered the wife's children, even though the wife didn't actually have it. So it was kind of like some, some breathing room to kind of uh, determine how they wanted those kids to be. I'm gonna read another definition real quick from Christianity.com. It says in the Bible, a concubine was a woman acquired by a man as a secondary wife. Her purpose was to provide a male heir in the case of a barren wife, to provide more children in general to enhance the family's workforce and wealth and to satisfy the man's sexual desires. A concubine was endowed with rights and protections by Hebrew law, but was not equal in status to a wife. So we kind of said that a woman living as a concubine was more common in Israel during the patriarchal period. I think we read that. Although God provided rights and protections for concubines in the law of Moses, God did not introduce or approve of this marital model. The Hebrew word for concubine, pilagesh, isn't even of Hebrew origin. It's a non-Semitic loan word borrowed to refer a phenomena not indigenous to Israel, according to Baker's Dictionary of Biblical Theology. So here's a quote. Says, uh. In the, in the ancient Near East, it was acceptable for married for a married man to have a secondary wife or concubine, so long as he had the resources to support a large family. Apart from working in the home and providing sexual companionship, a major role for a concubine would be to produce children to increase the workforce in a household. Polygamy and concubinage were also allowed in ancient Israel and seem to have been quite common in the patriarchal period of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But after that, most marriages of commoners were monogamous. So we know in the New Testament, Jesus said, from the beginning, it was one man and one woman. So in my study, I've learned just because God allows something doesn't mean that he prefers it. And I got the number up here. I don't know if I want to do a call-in tonight. Let me take this off. (laughs) I mean, y'all can if y'all caught it, but I just took it off. So. Brother Joseph says the child of a concubine had to show filial duty to two women, their biological mother and their legal mother, the wife or their father, the wife of their father. Excuse me. Yeah, that makes sense. Mr. Toya White says I thought something was wrong with me. I'm all in relationship stu- uh, relationship stuff. God is always on point. Roxanne Nelson says, wife has legal rights, a concubine for sexual pleasure, a mistress. And that's kind of what we're talking about. We're talking about just this whole concept of are you a wife or a mistress? That's really, you know, that's really what it really is today. A concubine is more or less a mistress. And we're in a society today where things have eroded so much that, It's almost like some people don't even view wife as an attainable goal. Some people do, but some people don't even view wife as an attainable goal. It's kind of like our generation, like my age and younger, if you're in a relationship or maybe a little younger than me, because I think the girls my age, they about ready to start getting married now. But if you're in a relationship, it's like you're doing something. You know, that's actually something now if if the guy claims you on the Internet, you know. So what I'm saying is that the bar has been lowered and because the bar has been lowered, people treat the relationship uh, like it's a marriage, you know, relationship goals. Well, how about some marriage goals? Right. Um, And then you have the side chick, which has become an actual thing. And the side chick is basically like where it used to be. Women would kind of uh you know take on this role, so to speak, and kind of be low key about it. Now you have some women that embrace the role of the side chick. I believe the side chick is is in some respects just a modern day version of the concubine, and a lot of these relationships is really just a polished version of the concubine because if you're conducting yourself like a marriage but you don't have the same, uh, and it's the word that the definition used, the same status, okay? That's no different than the concubine. So a lot of people are in relationships thinking they doing it, you know, I'm doing it because I got a man and he claimed me. But that claiming is not permanent, you know, at any given moment. Uh, granted, it can happen in a marriage too. People can get divorced but definitely in a relationship you ain't got to go through no legal legal troubles or anything it's just like boom if he ready to leave he ready to leave if she ready to leave she ready to leave and that's that they don't even think too much about it and that's just kind of how it is because none of that stuff is really substance there's no substance in it it's vain it's empty it looks like something you know it looks like something on the outside you know it's like a uh, like a like a vase or something. It looks like it's got something in it. But if you go and actually peep inside, you find out that it's really not anything of substance. It's not anything of commitment. You know, there's there's no commitment. And I really feel like relationship-wise, we're in a generation now where folks are afraid to commit. You know, folks are, I believe a lot of this resentment. Sorry, I didn't even know that fan was on the whole time. It's probably been making a little hum in my mic. Hang on hang tight. Sorry, I like my sound to be as good as possible. Um, Matt, I caught that like forty minutes late. A lot of this resentment that we see between men and women, really, I believe it's because of fear. I believe it's because of fear. I believe that 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 that, that men are scared to fully commit to women because they're concerned about the type of woman she is. And I believe that, I think women are willing to commit to men, but I do believe they have a fearful element of entering into commitments as well because you just don't know what type of guy you're dealing with. You just don't know what you're going to get. So it's 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 a whole bag of worms out here today. I'm kind of grateful that I'm not in the... Uh, the dating scene. I'm not in the game. You know, I was thinking a lot about the gift of singleness and this is this might be a discussion for another day, but I'm really starting to see it as a gift. You know, I'm really starting to see it as a gift and I don't know if I'm seeing it as a gift um because the Lord is placing that in me or if I'm seeing it as a gift because uh I'm just uh like lazy. <laughs> And I and I, I don't want any additional stress or drama in my life. But for whatever reason, whether it be personal or whether it be of the Lord, I now see how it can be a gift. But I do believe this concubine spirit is running rampant in our society. And I believe that it's because the bar has been lowered. Now, we talk about value. A lot of what would determine how that woman would be perceived is the value that she got from her father. Because as I mentioned earlier, a father could give you away as a wife. And I think there was even an endowment for that, like a payment for that, but he was consciously espousing you as a wife, or we just learned a father could give you away as a concubine. So it's almost like that definition that you get from the father, The definition that you get from your father is really where we get our identity male and female and much of the 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 issues that we have with marriages or lack thereof is the fact that there's an absence of fathers so the women don't know who they are first of all if they don't know their father and then they don't know what type of man to look for So if I don't have an image of a man in my home or if the image I have of a man is somebody that's constantly going out and coming in or it's a a carousel of men, then that's what they're going to try to emulate. They're going to basically go by what they see. And if you don't see anything, then guess what the devil thinks when he sees that? He's like, okay, now I can put anything in front of them and tell them that this is what a man is. So I'm going to put. You know, what I'm saying a bunch of rappers in front of you with tattoos on their face all tatted up and sagging their pants and smoking weed and sipping lean all day and just drugged out of their mind. And that's going to be the type of guy that should look for because that's the only real image of a guy or that's the most prevalent image of a guy that's put in front of their face. So it's the absence of fatherhood because the father is where the woman gets her identity now if you are in a situation where either you didn't have a good father as an example or you know you didn't have a a father at all then this is where salvation comes in because the scripture says that we are adopted by the father uh we're adopted by god whereby we cry abba father so god becomes your father and that's where you get out your identity from. And he is the one that gives you away, right? He is the one that, 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 that gives you your value, right? Notice how the value is always applied. It's always applied. Um, because value really, if you think about it, sometimes it could be subjective and sometimes it can be objective, you know, this phone, I just picked it up because it's the first thing I see here. Each of us could look at it and uh, attribute a different type of value to it, okay? So what really gives it its value is what what is it actually made of? What can it actually do? What is the actual quality? You know, what is it comprised of? You know, and I think as a human being, the value really comes from who are you? Who who are you really? Who are you really? You know, that's something that we all got to ask ourselves. We got to ask God that. Who am I? Who am I? You know, it's a song. I haven't released this. Uh, this I wrote this like a year or two ago now, but. One of the lines says, um, I saw who she really was without the makeup. You know, it says, well, it says life dealt me cards, but I wish that they were face up. I played my hand, and I thought I'd get my cake up. The fast life was coming easy like a layup. So I got to remember this is an old song. Fast life was coming easy like a layup. Anyway, but one line in there says, I found out who she really... Oh, yeah, an old girl. Remember, her and I were laid up. I saw who she really was without the makeup. Who are you really... You know, are you you or are you a carbon copy of what society says you should be? These are things we have to wrestle with because that's what's really going to answer the question, am I a wife or am I a concubine? You know, if you're just a template of someone else, that means you don't have any real value. You just have... Basically, you just looked at somebody else and just emulated what they did. And God has made each and every one of us so unique that none of us have to do that. Uh, Beatrice says, I thought I was married for 23 years and then found out my husband never took our vows seriously. Yeah, I feel like just like we have to figure out and learn what a wife is. Men have to learn what a husband is. You know, one of my issues I have with these so-called relationship gurus and all of these life coaches, whatever, if you notice, they're always giving advice to women. <laughs> but no one ever life coaches the men. <laughs> have you picked up on that? It's like you have these relationship gurus, but all the relationship gurus seem to cater and pander to women. Like, why is that? Last time I checked, if it's a relationship it's a it's a it's a man and a woman you know but for whatever reason it's it's like most of them not all of them but most of these so-called life coaches and relationship gurus are really just just playing on the the desires of women and i i personally think it's predatory you know don't get me wrong some people can help folks a lot of folks need advice they need life coaching i understand but but it gets to a point where spiritually you can see through things and you can tell when somebody is is being genuine or when they're just being predatory or they're trying to make a come up so so to your to the comment you said sister beatrice yeah there needs to be just as much coaching for a husband just as much uh advice for a husband or a man rather to become a husband as there is for a woman to become a wife i could do a search i wouldn't be surprised if like there's probably there's probably like 50 for every video on how to become a husband i could probably find 50 videos on how to become a wife and the messed up thing is a lot of that is in the christian circuits right a lot of that is in the christian you know so-called christian community so if that's the case, what what is God doing? Is God only preparing wives? <laughs> is God, what is he doing? Does he not care about husbands? Do the husbands, do the men just have it all together already? Like what's going on? Or is it that these people are not hearing from God and they're just trying to make some coins? You know, I'm just asking questions. That's all. Yeah, it really is about knowing your worth, valuing your worth, your worth comes from the lord it doesn't come from any human being because at the end of the day god is who made you and he's the only one that has a heaven or hell to put you in as the old folks say but really he's the one that made you he's our designer you know i'm, I'm working on something now it says wife material not designer it's in the dna you see your value in your designer, not in the TNA. Don't see yourself as just a collection of body parts. Don't see yourself as just, you know, if, if, if I want attention from a man, it, it has to be sexual. If I want attention from a man, you know what I mean? I, first of all, want attention from a man That's another discussion. But the point I'm trying to make is don't see yourself as an object. See yourself as a person. See yourself as a person. Don't compare yourself to other people. You know, don't worry about other people. Other people looking at other people is how we get knocked off course. If I'm driving on the road, this happened to me so much. You know, (laughs) if I'm driving on the road, I'm good. I can see the potholes. But the minute I turn and look, at something I go see. Oh, they put up a new building over there. They doing construction. Next thing I know, my tire runs over a pothole. Because I took my eyes off of my destination. I'm worried about what they doing over there. You know, who all oh, that look like somebody I know over there. That type of stuff is what knocks us off course. So just stay in your lane. Focus on what God has said for you and all that good stuff. Official TV: baby mama is modern day concubine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna get in trouble tonight. <laughs> yeah, p- folks are able to recognize quality. Somebody said something a long time ago. It said good things don't stay on the sh- on the shelf long. Now I'm still, I'm on the shelf. I ain't gonna fake, you know. But I did a lot of foolishness in my 20s, so you know, that's just that's just the uh, I'm just in the reaping season, you know. But I praise God either way because I have peace either way. Beatrice says adulterous men and women have committed issues, excuse me, have commitment issues. Some marry to keep from committing to their lovers or concubine. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be so much stuff going on today. Official BZTV says shacking up is also the concubine mentality. Wife benefits, but no respect. Yeah. That's really what it is. It's it's just a status thing. That's the word that the definition used, status. You know, it's 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 kind of like, you know, as much as people say titles don't mean anything, sometimes they do. <laughs> sometimes they do. If you go on LinkedIn, you don't typically see somebody with a regular business title. Everybody got some fancy title on LinkedIn. You know what I mean? I think technically my business title is I'm a lead budget analyst. Um, that's what they hired me as. When they hired me, they told me we was going to have like a team of six and it was going to be like three and three. And I was going to be one of the leaders. It's only three of us. And actually, one of them is my boss. So it's really only two of us. (laughs) So my LinkedIn say lead budget analyst, but I'm not leading anybody for real, for real. So usually I just say budget. I don't even say it these days. But that's neither here nor there. The point I'm trying to make is we're talking about self-respect. And I'm going to say something today that society will tell you is not true, but I'm here to tell you that it is true. You listen to society, they're going to get you jacked up, especially this feminist society we live in. They have this thing called – they have a couple things. One of them is called slut shaming, okay? So let me let me see what the actual definition of of slut shaming is because I don't want to – misrepresent this foolishness slut shaming is the act or the action or fact of stigmatizing a woman for engaging in behavior judged to be promiscuous or sexually provocative all right so in 2020 there are some groups that will say just because you are promiscuous or just because you are sexually provocative, does not mean that you're a slut. You know, they won't even say that. They'll say they might say that they're a slut, but they they'll basically say it doesn't matter. Now, as a man, <clears throat> now obviously I can't speak for all men, but I feel pretty confident in saying this: men care about if you are a slut or not. You can listen to these stupid ballhead feminists if you want but when men definitely care specifically if he's looking for a wife Now, if he's looking for a slut, he doesn't care <laughs> if he's looking for a concubine for the most part he doesn't care but a man is looking for a wife he cares how you carry yourself he cares what you wear he cares the type of decisions that you make because as i stated earlier the wife is someone that the man is going to invest his energy, his stock into. He's going to invest his time into. He's going to care about her innermost being. So all of that is a reflection of intimacy. When a guy cares to know a woman, that's a level of intimacy. So sexual relations is really, we don't treat it this way, but it's really... Like the deepest level of intimacy that you can get to, uh, physically at least, because you have had sex with that person. The scriptures even say that if you lie with the harlot, you become one with the person. So you become one with whoever you lie with, whoever you lay down with. You become one with that person. Bible says that the the the, the twain become one flesh. So a guy cares about that because. He wants to lie down with you and he wants he he wants you to be exclusive to him. But if you are living a promiscuous and a sexually provocative life and you expect to be a wife, uh, listen, it it ain't going to work. Now, look, it's a different type of guy these days. You got I don't know what's up with these new age guys, but in my opinion, any real man will care. That is a way in which you show the respect level that you have for yourself. Anything that's valuable, like extremely valuable, typically is rare. One of the things that makes something valuable is it being rare. You know, this is an uh, example. This, I'm, this is a portrait by Michelangelo. And this is the only one. This is the one he did right before he died. It's the only one that is that is in existence from the the renaissance period i don't know when michelangelo was painting but you put that thing up at an auction you best believe you're gonna get some rich millionaire buying it for like (laughs) for like 10 million dollars and you sitting looking at it like all right well look i mean it look okay but i don't know it looked 10 million dollars okay but the fact of the matter is it's rare It's the only one of its kind, the only one of its kind. And and, and guys like that type of exclusivity. Nobody and women should understand this, too. You don't want to show up at the the gala, at the at the club, wherever, at the ball. You don't want to show up with your dress on and you got the same and, and another woman got the same dress on that you got she got the same dress on same shoes it's like no exclusivity whatsoever and that's kind of how it is with men it's like you know you have your woman or whatever and you expect that to be your woman like that's my woman (laughs) but if everybody else has had your woman then it feels like less of your woman so some guys are mature enough to look past that like i said If God has made you new, that stuff has passed away for the most part. (laughs) But the point I'm making is that moving forward, you have a way to show your respect. It shows in how you dress. Society today will once again get y'all caught up and tell y'all it don't matter what you wear. That don't have nothing to do with who you are as a person. Look, y'all can sit there and say all that stupid stuff all you want. (laughs) But I'm telling you how guys think and in in my opinion rational people think people evaluate you based upon how you present yourself it says something about you how you dress how you carry yourself if you keep your yard up okay if you keep your hair done right if you keep your hair cut If if you ain't got a bunch of crazy looking tattoos on your face it says something about you Now, I know we live in an age of rebellion where every day these dinosaur concepts I'm telling you tonight are eroding away. But I'm just trying to tell you, if you want to do it God's way, God is a God of order. And God is a God who uh, is a God of standard. Okay, now he becomes your standard when he lives in you. But he is a God of standard so it's just something to think about okay so this is uh official bz was answering the question i said if solomon took up a thousand women who was left for the other men in the town she said the other men were either married sleeping with harlots or eunuchs man listen look if god called you to be a eunuch praise the lord But if he ain't called you to be a eunuch and Solomon got a thousand wives, (laughs) I'm like, look, Solomon, I know you king and everything, bro. But you got to come up, come up all (laughs) at least one of them wives, bro. I know you got a thousand. You can at least slap me about two or three of them concubines, bro. (laughs) I'm just being silly. (laughs) But no, really think about that, though. I don't know how large the population was, but, you know, this dude had a thousand women in a region. I don't know how I don't know how large of a, how large his territory was as king. You know what I mean? Maybe he was just ruler ruled over a large amount of land. I don't know, but that's just something I thought about. Sister Miranda says, "I believe there is someone for everyone. Praise the Lord." Here's a question. I was just thinking about this earlier. That's why we shouldn't yoke up with unbelievers. They can't give love they haven't experienced. That's a great point. I just found out one of my sisters in Christ married an unbeliever and she admitted that she knew they were unequally yoked. She said she's at peace. Keep her in prayer. Well, yeah, the scripture says don't be unequally yoked, but the fact of the matter is she didn't marry them. Now, if she says she's at peace, I say, let her have her peace. You know, God could be giving her a peace that passes our understanding, but I certainly don't advise that because, I just believe two can't walk together unless they be agreed. And, you know, uh, I don't know how long they've been married and I'm not wishing anything bad upon them. I hope they have a, I hope they don't have no arguments, but, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they begin to butt heads, but some people do that though. They call it, um, I forget the term, but it's like event evangelical dating. It's called mis- missionary dating where, what they would call evangelical basically christians will date a non-believer with the intentions of saving them or well, let me say it this way they'll yeah they'll basically date a non-believer with the expectation of saving them and my thing is this listen that's real optimistic and praise the lord but what if that person doesn't get saved you know what what if you are gambling on This person coming around and coming to know Christ and loving Christ the way that you love them. I mean, the way that you love Christ. And then it just doesn't happen. So this definition says missionary dating is the act of a person of one religious faith, commonly Christianity or Islam, dating a person with different beliefs, differing beliefs for the purpose of changing that person's beliefs or religion. This is a principle that I carry with dating period and I don't even like the word dating and I've learned this through experience. Never date or court anyone with the expectation of changing them because if that person does not meet your expectation you might have resentment toward that person and then you will feel trapped because you have committed to this person you've invested time with this person you spent time with this person and you were thinking oh you know if if he i know he just sit on the couch and play playstation all day and he ain't got no job and you know he just smoke weed all day and ask me to buy him jordans but if i can just motivate him a little bit (laughs) guess what the reason he's doing that right now there's a reason why he's doing that right now, because that's who he is right now. Now, if he changes on his own, if God comes and changes, him, if he, if he changed on his own, whatever, praise God, I, praise God. That's wonderful. But if you banking on somebody, usually people are the way they are for a reason. You know, you, you dating somebody and you're like, man, they just lost about 15 pounds. And then you start trying to work out with them. And you know, you're like, you know, Hey babe, let's, let's hit the gym. And all of a sudden, you find out they don't want to do it. They just want to sit around and eat potato chips all day. See, so you, you was banking. You was gambling on that 15 pounds. <laughs> now they didn't gained 15 pounds, and now you don't know what to do. So dating with expectation is really bad, in my opinion. Uh, when I say expectation, I mean uh, expectation to change a person dating expecting to change a person is really bad so you look i don't talk about dating on here every week like a lot of these channels but i i'm pretty good with dating advice <laughs> i don't I tell folks i'd have made all the mistakes i'd have made all the mistakes well most of them yeah so so you got to pray for those type of things sister kimberly says and if they don't love themselves healthily you don't stand a chance. My uncle said, why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? Yeah, that's very true. That's that's just guys are just logical like that, you know. You know, why is it that they were divorcing in the past and then after Christ came on the scene, he basically told them to stop divorcing or he, or I'll say it this way. He told them from the beginning, it was one man and one woman. It was because. He said it was because of the hardness of their hearts. So the expectation is that if you begin to follow Christ, that he's going to change your heart. He says, I'm going to take out your stony heart and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. So he's going to change your heart. But one of the reasons why uh, these guys in the Old Testament were able to have, you know, 700 wives, 300 concubines, because the heart, the heart wasn't pure. It says Solomon's heart wasn't pure towards God Your heart gotta be pure towards God first And after that everything else will fall into place But uh, guys are able to um, Function in that way You know When the heart is not pure Sister Tatiana says People are turned off from getting married Well supposedly 50% of marriages end in divorce So that's why I say I believe that people are fearful I believe that women are fearful of getting hurt. And I believe that men are fearful of getting taken to the cleaners. If you want me to just say it plain, like, I mean, that's not the only thing I think men are fearful of getting hurt as well, but it's just a, it's just a, a different society that we live in today. And I feel like the quality of men and women is, is down from what has been in the previous generations. Mainly because of what I said earlier, the lack of fathers. That's what I believe is the issue. And I do agree with you that it is um, that, you know, people are turned off from getting married. I think a lot of folks have just been hurt. Men hurt women and women hurt men. And I think a lot of folks are just like, I'm not going to get hurt like that. Or they think I'm going to do the hurting or I'm going to get them before they get me. It's, It's bitterness and it's hard heartedness. Miranda says it's like that, too, in the Middle East. They have several wives. Yeah, they still do that today in other countries. They have wives and concubines, depending on where you go. <laughs> uh, Vanessa Bryant got all of Kobe's wealth because she was a wife, not a concubine. Yeah, see, and that's a, there's, legal, there's legal things, right? Even the law recognizes the difference. You could have messed around with a guy. Let's say you dated a guy and you was his side piece or something. And you might might have been inside peace for thirty years and he's like maybe not as wealthy as Kobe, but let's say he had a little bit of j ge- a little bit of change and the legal matters come up, you won't be entitled to anything. But the wife and those children will be entitled to everything. So you ask the question, Well, like you have to think within yourself, Well, what was that? I was messing around or, you know, with this guy for thirty years. Here we are trying to iron out the funeral and they ain't even put my name on the program. Hey, Sister Dunia says, "Why, when I promote celibacy to other believers, I'm given a side eye? Am I not reading the same scriptures like everybody else?" The book clearly states fornicators will not inherit the kingdom. I must be ready. I must be reading an outdated version of the book. <laughs> Praise the Lord, Sister. Hey, li- listen. I got the same question. I did a video a long time ago, like like a long, long time ago, like when I first started. And I, I one of the things I said in there was, We're Oh, okay, that was different. What I said was we're not all on the same page because we're not reading from the same book. But believers should be reading from the same book. So I think what it is is one of two things. Either they're not reading it or they're not believing it. Okay, you can read it then once you read it you have to believe it uh so one of those two things is happening and when you show it to them and you say listen it's in corinthians first corinthians six and nine or wherever it is and they see it and they still don't believe it at that point it's on them eventually you'll probably learn not to even burn fuel on them maybe this is just me and my personality type maybe i need to stop doing this but The scripture says, don't cast your pearls before swine. If you recognize somebody as a swine, you just got to let them be a swine in peace. Like, don't waste your pearls and don't waste their time. Just be like, you know, I'm not better than this person. I'm not worse than this person, but they are a swine. So that's that. Sister Jewel says, wow, so true. My boyfriend keeps pushing marriage, but I'm on the fence because I just don't know yet. Just like you said, what am I going to get? yeah i believe when when i was in the world and i thought about marriage i always looked at it as what do i get out of this situation a completely logical perspective and completely self-centered perspective when a man becomes saved and he puts on the mind of christ and you read first corinthians chapter 13 and i guess even a woman actually as well this applies When you read 1 Corinthians 13 and you learn what love is, our real mindset is supposed to be, what can I give? So listen, I'm not a marriage counselor, but if I was counseling anybody in marriage, one of the things I would ask them is this. When when you approach this marriage, what are you looking to give in this marriage? Because everything on that list of what love is, in first corinthians 13 was about sorry was about uh selflessness if you want to know what true love is love is selflessness is giving for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and unless you approach the marriage like what can i give You, you you're setting yourself up uh but in the world that's all i was looking at it as like how does this benefit me so wait a minute i gotta be with one woman the rest of my life she has the potential to divorce me and take all and take half my stuff and there's a 50 percent chance of that now this is carnal minded greg thinking of this right you know what just a bunch of other stupid stuff i used to think but it was all about what can i get so shift your thinking to say what can i give And it'll be a game changer. Kimberly says, when I served overseas, the men had several wives in Saudi Arabia and and alternative lifestyles. Yeah. The men, the men in the uh, other parts of the world look at America and the Western world. They look at us like we stupid for having one wife. (laughs) You know, they like, bro, y'all, only do one wife over there. Like how do they look at us like we just how do you even do that? Because to them, it's, it's, it's just a matter of wealth and status. You know, it's like if I got a lot of money, I can get a lot of wives. You know, oh, Sister Jules adds on to her comment. She was saying, what am I going to get? Like what type of person I'm going to get? And she's saying, not in the sense of materialistic things, but is he going to switch up once we're married? Well, I I think the main thing really is does he know the Lord? Because that's the anchor. That's the anchor. There's a scripture that says, if you're wise, I'm paraphrasing. If you're wise, you build your house with a strong foundation so that when the winds come and the storms come and they start to blow up against the house, you are able to like your foundation is able to remain. You're able to stand because you're on a firm foundation. If the foundation is Christ, then y'all should be able to work through whatever issues might come up so that's just something to be prayerful about you know I've uh, seen two people that I thought were believers have a completely chaotic marriage I don't know what went, went wrong there but I think what it was was they rushed and they didn't really find out who they were marrying so somebody says it takes three a person can fake their identity for three years I'm not saying you got to wait three years I'm just saying be prayerful and learn the person that you're getting to know. Somebody said something to me real, uh, somebody said something to me recently, they were explaining the betrothal, the be, betroth, betroth, how do you say it? The betrothal period. And I think what he said was, uh, this is my cousin Tony was telling me this. I haven't verified it, but I, I trust he did his research. He was saying that a man, a, a, a man and a woman would be betrothed for marriage and they would get to know each other or whatever and what would happen is they would build an addition on the father's house so when they built that addition the man and the woman would live together to get to know each other to figure out if they were able to um get married like if they were able to function in a marriage now, technically, you might say that's shocking. I don't know, I gotta research it and see how it was set up. But the point is, <laughs> sorry, I just saw something that made me laugh. The point is, um, they got to know that person even in the biblical days, you know. Uh, they built this addition and they lived together. Obviously, they were not fornicating, you know what I mean? Because, the you know, once you got married, they consummated the marriage meaning that they you know had had sex with one another so i say all that to say there's even a a, a a a biblical cultural precedent for getting to know who you're with and of course we know sometimes it's just like like we learned we did bible study isaac and rebecca two weeks ago hey it was just like boom meet her at the well that's that's the one that's the one all right this what he looked like oh he he cute and that was just that <laughs> Miranda says, Greg, are you MGTOW? Um, That's the question that made me laugh. And I'm going to answer the question by saying no. But what I will say is this. Now, for anyone who doesn't know what MGTOW is, MGTOW is a philosophy that stands for men going their own way. Some people say it's like a male version of feminism but I really don't think it is what I will say to you, sister Miranda, and I shouldn't say this out loud. My carnal mind is MGTOW in some way. And I will admit MGTOW is something that I had to stop watching. It was one of the things the Lord had to pull me off of because what it, what it would do is it'll say a lot of things that are factual, right? But just because it's fact, doesn't mean that it ad, that it arrives at a truth. And the truth is really whatever God says about a situation. So MGTOW will basically say all of these reasons why men should just not involve themselves with women and how you're just better off uh, kind of just staying in your own lane. I'm going to say this little stupid ideology real quick. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But basically, all of these little philosophies have a red pill moment based off the movie, the matrix. So a red pill guy supposedly sees women for who they are and he's aware of them and he knows to keep a a safe distance that benefits him. A blue pill guy is a guy that's just in the world. He believes the official narrative about women and he's just like a deer in the headlights and has no idea what's going to hit him. A purple pill guy is a mixture between the blue and the red where the guy knows the the nature they call it female nature the guy understands female nature but even though he understands it he still either is a slave to it or he still believes in what's called a nawalt or unicorn woman which stands for not all women are like that so i don't watch MGTOW stuff now. Uh it's been a while since I have watched it. Uh, obviously I watched enough about it to learn what it is, but it's not of God. And what I believe is that regardless of the 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 average quality of woman out here today, when God gets his hand on a woman, he's able to renew her. He's able to basically transcend all of these statistics he's able to transcend all of these horror stories that you hear and get past all of that so no I'm not MGTOW I don't believe it's of God it is something that I have to crucify in my carnal mind because I came up in a generation listen I I was a big Project Pat you know three six fan. so it was like don't save her she don't want to be saved that was ingrained in my in my conscious, you know what I mean? And sometimes if I get in my flesh and, and something triggers it, I will get uh, I, like that mentality will come to me like I'm trash. These women are trash and I just want to be by myself as trash and it's more headache than w-. basically I can do bad all by myself. So that's the type of toxic thinking that that I need to not have and I need to keep to myself. So, you know, Brother Greg don't come on here with all his personal beliefs and stuff like that. I just try to come on here and say what the Lord says. But no, I'm not MGTOW. But it's one of the things that the flesh, you know, it's no different from, you know, like I was saying, some of these relationship coaches, one of the things I caught them doing as well, they love to bash men. So it's like if you're a woman and you've dealt with some trash men, then It feels good to your your flesh ear to, like, hear somebody dog out men. It feels good. And they did a whole bunch of that in the 90s, especially with black men in the 90s. Every time you turn on one of them little talk shows, it's like all black men are dogs and these type of things. Because it feels good to the flesh. And uh, many of us have lived through that. But that's why I personally believe that in order for two people to get married today, it has to be a supernatural move of God. You know, I believe to find a good woman and to find a good man today, it has to be God. You know, I just think most people are trash. (laughs) Uh, And unless God gets his hand on them, you know, and even when he gets his hand on them, he still has to continually clean them up daily, you know, daily. Listen, I'm one day, Lord willing, I'm gonna get real optimistic you know what I mean? I'm I'm just like, <laughs> I told y'all I'm working on it. I promise I'm working on it. The loud voice is always trying to point out the negative, trying to point out the odds and stuff like that. But when you see that it's possible, it's inspirational to those who have that desire on their heart. So listen, a lot of good stuff here. Yeah, Mark got, oh yeah, my brother Marcus is on. He says, uh, MGTOW ideology goes against scripture. It forbids marriage. Yeah, it does. It goes against scripture. So, yeah, no Christian male should be subscribing to any of that stuff. (laughs) Beatrice says, I'm so glad you're done with that mentality. Yeah, praise the Lord. I'm working on it. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. i be trying to resurface every now and then. But but that's just like I say, uh, he is the potter and I am the clay. So he's molding me and making me so listen god is good family that's all i have in this solid talk tonight i pray that we had a kind of fruitful discussion just asking that question you know what's the difference between a wife and a concubine are you what's going on brother are you a wife or a concubine i point out the difference earlier i'm not gonna go over the whole thing again but it really boils down today to the respect level that you have for yourself Most people are only gonna respect you as much as you respect yourself. And that respect comes from value and that value comes from the Lord. So my encouragement to women and also to men is find out who you are and find out who God says you are. And from that point, you'll be able to receive the love that's needed to be able to function in any type of healthy relationship, whether it be a marriage, whether it be a friendship, Whatever it is, but it has to come from the Lord. So that's all I have in this Solid Talk family. I pray that you all have been edified. That's all I have. You all take care and be blessed. This is Solid Talk speaking out loud. Check it out. Speaking out loud in depth Cancel culture can't keep me in check And from beginning gotta tell us what's next True believers they can come and connect Calling or even come as a guest And show each other respect I keep it solid I'm dropping knowledge Wisdom understanding just like you done went to college Devil know we working His goal is to try to stop it Helmet of salvation and shield of faith That'll block it Controversial topics just to keep it honest Truth hit hard just like It's a blunt object, culture living godless. I can't even call it. We in the last days, Babylon is falling. Don't kill the messenger, I can't mess with ya, points got to a the this life will keep on testing ya, let's walk and get the best of ya, I'm tryna tell ya bruh, all the arena Shelby we say we tryna get the rest Speaking of ya. Speaking out loud in depth, cancel culture can't keep me in check, in from beginning gotta tell us what's next, true believers they can come and connect, call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect spiritual wickedness in high places, trying to cause division with the people and the races, Jesus gave commission, say go out to all the nations, so we stream it live on television and the stations, no we taking off like asteroids up in the spaces, the cross was Eddie Murphy, then at Groy we trade places, the lost must understand that we cannot be void of graces, so we preach it to a generation that is faithless, understand his greatness, ancient of the ages, written on my heart the red letters of the pages. The blood of Jesus covers all my sin and it erases. I plead it and believe it so it covers all my bases. Speaking out loud in depth. Cancel culture can't keep me in check. And from beginning gotta tell us what's next. True believers they can come and connect. Call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect. Try and keep my sanity amongst calamity. Social media nothing more than narcissistic vanity. PC culture on a mission and they try to cancel me but I know Jesus gonna